Uh, so if you're looking for creative ways to get past either the virtual gatekeeper or the real gatekeeper for the person you want to connect with or potentially start a business relationship with, definitely want to listen to my guest today, Dale Dupree. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. Hey, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. I'm your host, Jules Dan. Hey, so I don't like to drag on these intros for too long, just because, just if you're like me, I just like to get straight into the good stuff. Um, but about my guest today, so his name is Dale Dupree. He's a host of the Sales Rebellion. If you're on LinkedIn, um, you should j- definitely check him out, post some really good content. He's also the host of the Selling Local podcast, um, and he's got a really good community um, inside called the Sales Rebellion. So... Um, I mentioned it before at the start, if you want to find creative, cool ways to break through uh, to the gate, break, break, oh, stumbling here, break past the virtual gatekeeper, don't be pushy, don't be annoying, don't do any black hat tactics. Um, Dale's got a really interesting story and um, cover a bunch of different things from, uh, you know, properly selling with ethics and then how he met, how he found this way to get through people. Um, without being, you know, pushing slime or anything like that. So, without further ado, here's my guest, Dal Dupree. Hey, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. I'm your host, Jules Dan, and I'm joined by Dale Dupree from Sales Rebellion. Dale, welcome to the show. What's up, Jules? I appreciate you having me on, man. I really appreciate it too, man. You're on the road. You're doing talking about before the show. You're doing a bit of a digital nomad thing with your family. I mean, like, I'm I'm kind of jealous because uh, we can't really do that right now in Australia, but. <laughs> That sounds like a lot of fun, but uh, you, I'd love to learn a little bit about you, man. Like, how did you get started? Oh, I know everyone's got a bit of a story, whether it's 10 years or five years or whatever, but I'd love to hear the Cliff Notes backstory of Dell and how you got to where you are today. Sure, yeah, it all starts back in 1984 when my father founded the copier firm that he would run for 29 years. I was born a year later in 1985 with toner running through my veins. Uh, however, I didn't always have my sights and I set on going and selling copy machines and working for my father. I actually um, dreamed of becoming a musician and I pursued that lifestyle. Uh, did my first tour when I was 17 uh, years old and uh, got signed to a major record label when I was 19. Um, Warner Brothers Records. Prior to that, I was on an indie label nice. tour all over the US, had albums across the world. And unfortunately, Things didn't pan out the way that we wanted them to. And a lot of that had to do with personal choices from some of the members and drugs. But uh, that's another story for another time. Yep. I ended up coming back to my father's business and just asking him like, hey, instead of just getting a job anywhere, could I start a career with you and see what happens? He said yes. Uh, four years later, the rest is history and that we sold his business because of how well we were doing. And mm. he was at that point of you know, get into the end of being a business owner for himself. And I was gobbled up with the acquisition, became the number one rep within 90 days. 
never let go of that mantle year after year. I was the the number one headhunter, as they would say, inside the organization. I wrote the most net new business and for mm-hmm. the entire time that I was there, just about six years. Yeah. And I took the company from eight million to twenty-five million, became the VP of sales, lived the Cinderella story. My father worked alongside me at that organization and passed away in 2016, which encouraged me to leave and find a new home uh, because I wasn't the same without him. And uh, after some soul searching and a lot of intense um, instances of uh, figuring out what it was that I did want to do, it took about six months off or so and ended up at another copier company that I increased the net new sales and numbers for immensely to the point that the, the branch um, that I ran was recognized as the number one branch inside of the organization for growth in the second year of me being there. And I quit yep. before that, right before that meeting and started the sales rebellion. <laughs> nice. So here when, we are today. When you, when you say branch and you say copier, the first thing that comes to mind is Dunder Mifflin, but uh, yeah, I know it's definitely not the same. Um, that, that's awesome. How, yeah, I know, right. Um, that's, I love your story. What, what do you mean by Cinderella story? Like it, it was just like a fairy tale come true sort of thing. Yeah, it was it was like the underdog story to an ex, to an extent, right? Like yeah. the things that I was doing, um, specifically, were not popular, and I was told I would fail. Um, you know, I was I was told that the things that I would achieve would be small and insignificant, and right. I ended up culturing and cultivating an entire mindset shift inside of an industry. And even to this day, people seek me out to, to, to know what I did and, and feed off some of that juice to change the trajectory and outcomes in their yeah. own walk inside of the industry. So, yeah, well, that's really interesting. I want to start from there if that's all right. So um, everyone's telling you whatever you're doing is wrong stop doing it. And you put your blinders on. How old were you at the time when you first started seeing a lot of success from that? The new branch. Just about, just about like 23 years old. Yeah, right. So, yeah, a lot of 23 year olds are a bit insecure. You know, they, they do care what other people think. I'm, I want to get into your, into your head. What, what was, how did you just block everyone off and focus on what worked? I mean, it actually, um, I didn't turn the blinders on. And that's, I think, something that was somewhat unique for me. And mm-hmm. I think, like, I, when I hear people tell stories, like, I'm just saying in general, like my rebellion is about more than just like sales. It's about life. It's about thought. It's about emotion. And, you know, when I heard, heard people saying things like get money, get paid, you know, I thought, okay. And then when I heard people saying things like you're going to fail and your ideas are stupid, I just thought, okay. But I also knew that those, those outlooks were important and unique. And I respected those people, regardless of whether I disagreed with them or not. And I knew that if I was to like mute them or turn them off, that what would really happen is that I would always just kind of like wonder and and that I would always be like silently battling them, even though people say all the time that like by muting that um, you, you know, you don't give it real estate in your head. Um, I put it on the wall, man. And like, I use it as accountability. I said things like, well, this person thinks that you're going to fail because of these ideas and, and why. And I would break that down and I would say, well, it's different. It's not company centric necessarily. It has its own unique brand and style to it that, that, you know, upholds the individuality and authenticity of me. 
And it also puts my buyer first, which means I can't manipulate. It means I can't, you know, I'm not focused on cashing a commission check as much as I am serving somebody. And those things are very unpopular. And I looked at all that and said, oh, okay, well, this formula is actually going to drive me to my success. And so I, instead of putting on the blinders, I put like an extra set of ears on and like yeah. turned the volume and like leaned in and listened harder to what everybody was saying. Well, I, you've just sort of answered my question. You weren't really driven by a need to prove someone wrong. You were just like, no, analytically what they're doing isn't correct. Um, they're not really serving the customer at the highest level. And that's why they're not making as many sales as they can. As, as they should be. Is that sound about right? It's not from a place yeah. of insecurity. Think about like this too. Like, um, yeah, I heard every story in the book around people lying, cheating, stealing, you know, like, oh, one of you guys, you know, was like how I was greeted when I would tell people I sold copiers. And there was a real stereotype that I had to battle and fight off, which is why I created the personal brand that I did and mm-hmm. developed what I developed. I drove a Honda Civic that I owned cash my, the entire time that I was in sales, everybody else and their mom's pulling up in a Ferrari and, and whatever else. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Like, and I, and I didn't, it's not that I don't care. Like I like stuff. Don't get me wrong. You know, like I had my vices as well too, but I recognize them as that a and B I, I also recognize that like the stuff doesn't go with you and it mm-hmm. doesn't actually help you in your process. Like you might manipulate some young kids to think like, Oh, look at all the success and wealth that this person has. And I want that too. And it would be so cool to be in that car. That car sucks. Just so y'all know, like it costs $3,000 to get a freaking oil change. Like <laughs> why would you want to live that kind of lifestyle right. when yeah. you can create purpose around your moments that goes beyond a thing or a, a tangible item, but that truly impacts people and causes them a rift in the typical system for them to believe in something a little bit differently to that even goes into helping them believe in themselves. I've had people that I sold copiers to come to me and say, you know what, man, the, the way you treated me was amazing. And I've loved watching your story and it's inspired me. And I've, and I've got out of what I've been doing for the last 15 years mm-hmm. and I'm doing what I love. And man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that and how much that, that makes me you up. Build. I don't freaking care about the commission checks and the things that I made when that happens. You sit back and you go, damn, like that's yeah. intense. Right, right. Yeah, I know, right? When clients tell you something has changed their world, their paradigm, it's it's kind of weird. Like I felt the exact same way. Um, you need it. Okay, sure, you get a bit of a jolt when they give you money, but when they, when you've actually make an impact in what they do and it's impacted their family, that makes you feel damn good. And um, that's why I'm in it too as well. I do want to ask though, not everyone has this stoic philosophy like you have at a young age. Um, where did it come from? You know, was it some books? Was it from a role model, a movie, uh, music? I'm, I'm curious to hear. Yeah, specifically it was my father. And, and like, here's what I would say to people listening real quick, just to like kind of help you go through this in your head. Like uh, you're not listening to a guy that's going to sit here and tell you that like money isn't important and you shouldn't have any focus on those things, period. My dad taught me just as well as the next that we need money in order to be able to impact the lives that we're trying to change to begin with and regardless. So no matter what, we want to press toward a type of wealth, but what we want to press toward is a generational wealth of legacy. We want to press toward a type of wealth that's not fleeting and that we're not always chasing, so like, mm-hmm. I always, I always laugh to myself when I think about 
all the people that, you know, they have so much wealth and yet they can't stop getting more of it because they're just straight addicted to the identity of what it has created for them and how it controls them and how much more free I am than those people. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that again, will sit back and say like, yeah, dude, that, that $50,000 paycheck for that sale I just made is dope. But you know, the thought that goes through my head is, what could this truly do for my life and others' lives outside of make me feel comfortable or give me a brand new Tesla or put me in a five-story house that's going to, at some point, be sold to someone else that will never know that I owned it in the first place and doesn't care, right? So, but my dad is the ultimate inspiration behind all of that. The, the servant leader of the century, he hired people out of the prison system that were either ex-drug addicts or had, you know, felonies, or I even remember him employing a man that was convicted of third degree murder. And, and these were the types of people that like my father put us around as he really rehabilitated them because he believed, and he wasn't like the sole rehabilitation, right? But he was just a piece of their story and he believed yeah. in helping others, you know? So that's really where it all comes from and stems from. Yeah, I love that. It, it, it 100% is got to do with the people who you were talking about. Uh, like I've heard on a few different podcasts, when you put people in new environments that they're definitely not used to, environments that bring them up, that alone is going to fix them like, I've, I've heard like crazy things like people stop doing drugs when you put them in the right environment and you give them like a proper job and if they don't, they don't want it anymore. Like they just eventually like, I just want to stop. So big respect to your dad for doing that. Um, now I want to ask you a few things about your, your sales methodology. We only just touched on it. So you, you broke down um, how to put the buyer first and uh, my notes weren't as I couldn't keep up with, with what you were saying with your notes. So what makes your sales system different than everyone else? I'm curious to hear. I think first and foremost that people will tell you that their sales systems are buyer centric when really they're just manipulation. And I don't mean that for everybody, but most of the time we teach, we, we start with these very light um, foundations and basics where mm-hmm. we say, you know, X, Y, and Z. And us as the listener, we, we hear those things and go, oh, this is, this is like a really nice way to sell. This is, it's thinking about others. It's putting people first. It's accommodating. But then we learn more. And then like, furthermore, like we ask questions like, well, what about this? And things that come out of that are, you know, they are borderline manipulation at the end of the day, regardless of what people want to admit about it. Most tactics and sales tricks are just that. And so we've created a system that is much more human centric. It's much more genuine and authentic. It, it encourages people not to like conform to a stereotype or like have to wear a tie because the industry has told you to do that for so long. Yeah. It's about like breaking those molds. It's about breaking the molds of traditional sales. It's about breaking the bad and stale habits of traditional sales. And it's about understanding that the year is 20 freaking 21. And that like anybody that's been selling for a few decades knows that every couple of years, sales transitions to an extent. And heck bro, the last five years, like since 2015, I should say, mm-hmm. sales has changed so much in, in that time, that interim, that it's hard to even think about the kind of things that worked in 2015 as uh, compared to 2021. And yeah. People that are just getting in started in sales, it sucks for you because you know you don't know what that looks like. You're just getting started for a guy that's 35 and been in it for a very long time now, and very deep into it, and in a commodity style B2B transaction that was a very high end transaction, might I add. 
um, has the experience. And so I can, I can understand like the evolution and why, you know, going to vidyard.com and downloading, you know, or getting a, a, a registration um, created for yourself is super important in this day and age. Why, um, you know, using tools that, that traditional sales reps, you know, typically don't like most sales reps would say the phone and the email are the number one tools. Well, we believe in experiences. We believe in creating experiential sales uh, practices for mm. people. So there's lots of small things that we do differently. And really as a whole, we just rebel against the, the system that's out there. You know, we want people to treat their spouses differently. We want people to focus on their families differently. We want people to understand themselves differently. And we want people to, to know that at the end of the day, you can have the type of happiness and fulfillment that you're searching for and, and then it really doesn't have anything to do with your quote unquote success, the way that the world would see it, but it, it has everything to do with your full and true belief in yourself and what it is that you really truly want to accomplish. Belief in yourself, what you truly want to accomplish. I like that. And <clears throat> you are mentioning before the stuff, a lot of the <clears throat> sales systems were, have worked on or still work on manipulation whereas you guys try and move towards human centric and experiential could you give some examples of some examples most people would know maybe examples i wouldn't know of what is sales those sales manipulation tactics and so maybe some tactics that you deploy as well because i know there's one that's yeah, really it, cool yeah you know there's like there's this identity of like what to say to the receptionist when you get them on the phone and it's like, just lie basically like through your teeth. Like, do they, are they expecting you? Uh, not yet, but they will be, or, you know, Hey, this is, this is Dale. Can I speak to so-and-so? Okay. What company are you with? Oh, I'm sorry. This is Dale. Instead of like telling them the truth. Like there's all these things. Um, I remember even learning the technique where I was, I was to write down on a sticky note in front of me that, that this person was expecting my call. And, and then to call that person and say, Hey, can I speak to Jed? And when they're like, you know, what's this about? You say, I got this note in front of me that says to call them back or to give them a call. And, and I remember the first time I learned stuff like that. And I just started thinking, this is deceitful. And it's not like if someone found out that I was doing this kind of stuff, they would mm -hmm. lose their mind. And so I'll tell you what, I'll give you an exclusive here. I don't really tell this story often except mm -hmm. for my students, um, but we'll make this one live. And that I was caught one time in doing one of those uh, little manipulation techniques that I was taught through sales tra traditional sales training, and it was about a year and a half into my sales career. And man, I like the chill that went up my spine when the lady picked up the phone and said, "So you lied to my receptionist to get me on the phone." Yeah, I I shit. straight up was like, "Oh, a lot no. of guilt, a lot of guilt what? right there." <laughs> yeah, and I didn't really know what to say, but I wasn't one to just hang up the phone and retreat either. And so I stayed on and she reamed me and mm. I kept trying to like get her back in my system. And that's the problem with sales systems. Like, Oh, let's get her back in the process. Let's reel this thing in. Let's say the right stuff. Yep. So, and I realized when I got the phone, I was just like, wow, I not only did I screw that up from the very beginning, but then I just like continued to beat a dead horse and like dig my grave deeper. Yeah. And you could, you could fit 15 bodies in the hole that I freaking dug. And that's so what I did is I like, I woke up and I said, you know, in that moment and said, I need to fix this. And, and it was a couple of days later, but I, I actually got some pizza, like a ton of pizza. And I took it down to her office, like four boxes. And I walked up to the front desk. I was like, Hey, this is literally just an apology. And I said, could you, could you leave it for this person? 
and just let them know that I really screwed up the other day when I called trying to manipulate them into getting on the phone with me. And it's just been weighing on my heart. Mm. And I also had the comp- the pizza company spell, uh, I'm sorry, in pepperoni and sausage all <laughs> oh. over the pizzas. Wow. And so the person, it was funny because the front desk lady like opened the pizza and looked at it. And then she said, this is pretty cute. And she, yep. wa- and she remembered me too also. Um, because I pissed that lady off so much that the whole office knew who I was and was told like, never let this guy in here. Yeah. So she took those pizzas back and the lady came out and talked to me and she was much kinder. And, and I recognized in that moment that like, man, if we just meet people where they are and yeah. lead with authenticity and honesty and a genuine sense of curiosity that people will literally stop what they're doing, even if they're busy and say, Hey, I, I know that you want me to sell me something and I'm not really interested in that, but there's something here that, that feels different and feels right to me. And so I'm going to speak with you. And that, that lady ended up buying for me a couple years later. Also. Oh, yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, the stories usually end like that, but I would say too, that there's plenty that ended in utter complete and utter failure that I never got back because of the crappy sales tactics. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you contrasted the manipulation with it with a great story and a happy ending story as well. Um, and something that you mentioned before, like you just said, is seeing people where they're at and that's using your crumpled letter. Oh, that might be just one of your crump, one of your tactics is the crumpled letter. I like using direct mail too, but I liked your thing because um, one, it uses humor. So it really breaks the ice and it sees people where they're at. Look, I know you just want to throw my pitch in the bin. Basically that's, that's how you're starting off. But a lot of my audience who are listening to this would not know what does a crumple letter, what's what is direct mail even. Um, I'd love if you could tell my audience a little bit about that strategy. Yeah, man. So I, um, back in 2009, 2010, I came up with this idea to create what is called the crumpled letter. I actually uh, can't take full credit for the idea either. And I always like to just point out that there was a realtor and I'm sure that there was even people before this guy, I bet that there was somebody that taught him how to do it, but there was a realtor in South Florida that was getting like less than 1% return on his direct mail. And he was sending this mail out to people whose houses had been on the market for more than 120 days. and was like, Hey, get a new realtor basically. Mm-hmm. And he was so upset with the return on these things that he decided he was going to do something about it. So what he created was this crumpled up envelope and piece of paper on, on, on the inside that on the outside had in red text, don't throw me away again. And basically like the message of the envelope inside the envelope inside the letter was the same in regards to like your house has been on the market for 120 days, but people caught this familiar glimpse of like, Oh, I've gotten this before. And it's back from the trash to, to like remind me that I can have a better outcome. And his less than 1% return turned into like a 30% return. And I just remember reading really? that and thinking, that's, what? that's nuts. And, and really it was gimmicky. I, w- I never have believed in the, the gimmicky concepts, shoe in the door. You know, those are cool things. They're creative to, to an extent, but they're gimmicky. And most of them, again, have been played out, you know, since early days. And so what I did is I looked at that and I said, well, what's the relevance and familiarity of this moment for someone? And, and can we really focus on an experience more than a sale in this as well? And so I kind of developed not just my own crumpled letter, because I also said, well, what about the 70% that didn't get back to him still? What's he going to do to them now? Because yeah. he just sent them this 
crumpled a piece of paper, like what's his plan? And so I really started to brainstorm this idea and I ended up coming up with hundreds of these sequenced concepts, but this one's the most popular because people use it all over the world now that have been turned on to it by us at the sales rebellion yep. and, and they buy a sequenced, you know, a five letter cadence that shows up in the mail and starts with the infamous crumpled letter where when you unpackage it, it is all crumpled up. It's a little dirty, a little nasty. And it says, Hey, 90% of the sales and marketing that comes across your desk is trash. And so exactly. I pre-crumpled this one to make it easier for you to throw it away. And there's some humor in it. I've seen some own, you know, and, and created even more familiarity around it because again, like the one thing that buyers hate the most, or I should say like is consistent between buyers more than anything is that. So if you think about people and the way that they interact with sales folks that anybody we send that letter to is going to say out loud, this is true. Even guys like you and me don't like salespeople, whether we admit it or not, you know, because if I asked you like, Hey, do you like salespeople? Sure. Dale. I love them. Okay, cool. So when they call you at six o'clock at night, when you're sitting around with your family and they yeah. want you to buy a timeshare, how do you feel about that? And 99% of people say, yeah, it sucks. I don't like it. Right. So no, nah, no. Nah. And you know, the other day, I signed up for, I signed up for shit all the time on ads just so I can get their marketing info. Someone was calling me at dinner time at six o'clock being on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Hey, are you coming to the webinar? Hey, are you coming to the webinar? Hey, are you coming to I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. And just like, just not the way to do it. And, um, but I love how you just like openly honest and candid in the first message is, is just completely disarming. And so is humor. Um, that's why I love it. I actually just used that the other day when I was following up with the prospect myself. So I'm glad you brought this up. Um, he lives in Boise. I don't know if you've been to Boise. I have actually, you know, the Boise tubing, how it goes down the river. Right. I've been to Boise once and my Airbnb host showed me that I'm like, okay, the guy wasn't getting back to me. And I was like, okay, I, I know you probably it's summertime. I know you're having really fun with the Boise tube right now. And I just, but maybe, maybe you kind of like this. And it was like this gif of this dude stuck in a rapid and I'm like, well, maybe I'm a bit dramatic, but you know, um, that's what you're, that's kind of like what our, our email marketing backend strategy can be like. We're just stuck all the time. And then instantly we, like that human just brought him back to life. He went silent for two and a half, three weeks. And that one thing just brought him back to life. So I'm with you, Dale. I love, I love using that. Um, are you allowed to tell my audience what comes after the first letter? Cause we said, you know, after we captured yeah. th potentially 30%, but what, what do we do with the, the rest of the people? Yeah. So we got, I got up to, when I would put somebody in a campaign, I would get an 80% response rate that is on insane. sequencing about five letters. And, you know, even if it was after the fact that all the letters were sent, I could still get you to respond at some point within the next couple of touches. Um, and so sometimes it does, it takes a lot of time, energy, effort, and work to get somebody to respond, but really inside of the sequence, imagine that there's about four touches per letter and sometimes even five. So if you sit back and you think about the identity of sales and what marketing tells us and psychology even tells us about how long it takes for a buyer to, to give us their attention, that if we're doing it in a very audacious and a very curious way, that it should take less time. And we've proven that with the letter campaign, but also just like because we've evolved the identity of it into an experience. So like the next letter is a coffee stain letter, for example. And it doesn't just like have a big old coffee stain in it. There are some rebels that go all in with this concept and um, 
also put like coffee grounds and this inside of the the envelope yep. and it's a pretty simple message it, it like we we have created like the design and graphics and like it's super tight you know i'm just gonna say that like what we've designed and created just from the days of me DIYing it with a coffee, you know, mug every day, as opposed to like having this, this digital landscape that we've created for these tools is pretty, it's pretty epic, but I digress. The, the prospect gets this very, or the person that's receiving it, I should say, because I like to identify prospects as people, the, the yep. person receiving the letter, they get a full on experience. They see this coaster, uh, this big coffee stain on the top of an envelope. And it says, there's a coaster here for you. And they're like, what? And they, they have to open it. Then they smell the aroma of coffee. It activates the five senses is the mm. concept. Mm. Now they're fully immersed. Think of it as like Disney for sales is the concept here. And so some rebels do it to that elite limit, right? And others just send the letter as it is. And they still set appointments either way, right? But per pleasant persistence, the idea and identity of staying like very true to the process and continuing to, to understand that like people are freaking busy and they're not just going to like That's get right. back to you because you want to sell them something or it's in your you know prerogative to get an appointment like sorry that's just not how it works but by earning that time over time through something a a medium i should say that no other salesperson is using to call on them gets their attention much differently yeah i, I love it and, and a follow-up question that comes to mind or maybe even a stumbling block for someone thinking like great i'm going to create one of these letters and they send it out and they don't get a response so the natural thing might be to say hey, did you get my letter? Which obviously might not be the best strategy. So how do you follow up with someone and not yeah. sound very needy? Yeah, so two, two things I would say. One would be that, that if, if you're really hitting roadblocks and doing this DIYing this yourself, just go to crumpledletter.com and you, can, you don't need to even like just get sales thing podcast. You can just, you can get the thing that I'm talking about and it's very affordable to sellers. We've made it that way for, for a reason. We want to see you succeed. We're not trying to get extremely rich and famous off of these concepts. We want to build a legacy of rebels that are changing the landscape of sales. But at the same time, I want you to just remember some simple facts. Nobody cares as much as you, number one. Mm -hmm. So show people why they should care in the first place. And that's not about, you know, this identity of, oh, but my company is so great and my products are so awesome. It's this concept of sitting back and humanizing the process. Think about how busy your buyer is. Think about when you're interrupting patterns that if you send an email right after this awesomely clever letter and it's just kind of generic and yeah, bland, yeah, yeah, yeah. ain't gonna work. We, I like one of the, my favorite follow-up emails that I've seen a student create, cause we have a lot of very cool templates, but this one was created by a student. Um, it, the subject line was that crumpled letter dot, dot, dot. And it just instills this, like, it's yeah, like conversation what, in the mind. That what, what do you mean crumpled letter? And he gets a really high open rate too, by the way, but, but the first lines inside of the email are not, Hey, did you read it? What'd you think? But <laughs> he nuances the same experience that the person's been having. Matter of fact, he pushes them toward the no, just like the letter kind of does as well. And, and talks about relationship building and that he gets it that not everybody is going to want to be his friend, and, but he has a great product that he believes in, but we don't need to talk about that right now because we both know that's not what, you know, a good salesperson does to begin with. You probably don't even need my, my help with this thing that I do and, and quantifies around the problems that he fixes by talking about like, you're probably already having these kind of results. 
And, and so there's probably not much of a reason for yeah. us to chat to begin with, but maybe we can pass some referrals. Maybe there's some, some ideas that we can push back and forth. And if anything, if you just like the creativity of what I did and it, and it feels like, you know, maybe we could be business friends, like holler at me and let me know. And I, I think yeah. that, you know, there are some people that do it softer, some people that do it harder and then it works in its own way for everybody uniquely, but no matter what, that a buyer is much more interested in somebody that, that approaches them and, in a landscape of mutually beneficial grounds right? And when exactly. they approach them in this way of like, let me just get an appointment and, and up let my me, quota. Yeah. Let me, let me take from you and take and take rather exactly. than how can we benefit each other? Uh, I like that a lot better. That's, and like you said, there's multiple angles in there. It's like, maybe there's some way we could refer each other. Maybe there's some way we could just even be friends. Uh, if you do need my product, well, that's a bonus, so to speak. I love it. That's really cool. So, um, I'll give you some time to, to, to talk about where they can find the letter, but just, just in case someone doesn't get to the end, where can they get that letter? So they can, they can um, literally go to crumpledletter.com. Like okay. Literally. okay. That's an for easy real. domain. That's a real thing. Yeah. Crumpledletter.com. And you can just get the crumpled letter for $3.99. That's $3.99. Or you can go all in and buy the entire campaign and get all the letters, all the sequencing, instructional uh, PDF guides that show you how to do it, how to sequence it, how to send the emails, mm-hmm. templates, you know, lots of information in there. It's kind of like getting like a mini coaching session with us. Basically there's, you know, everything that you need in there basically and, and access to, to our customer support side and admin side as well too. So. All right, cool. Um, you definitely get to, you can go into that towards the end. I, I want to ask a few questions about you, Dale, personally. Um, where do you see, excuse me, <clears throat> going to be a crumpled voice right now. Anyway, um, where do you see yourself in the next six to 12 months? Like what's your vision for um, sales rebellion? Yeah, six to 12 months is too short term for me. I like to think in years and I like to think in decades. And I'll tell you that when I first started doing that back when I was 18 years old, I created essentially a 10-year plan. And I'm coming up on my second version of that 10-year plan. And I'll tell you that I've reached the levels each time um, that I wanted to in regards to my quote unquote fulfillment and success, as opposed to just like thinking, Hey, I want a million dollars by the time I'm this age Mm -hmm. where I have a plan for, for ultimately having the kind of wealth necessary to live comfortably, to, to allow myself to not be stressed by money. Uh, But at this stage in my life right now, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the, the S H I T as they say, in that I'm, I'm really, really, really pushing myself to risk as much as I possibly can and to take steps in directions that nobody is. So like one of the biggest things that we've done um, that I hope, you know, within the next three years, um, when I get to my next 10 year mark has exploded and exceeded our expectations is we created a place called the rebel refuge. And the Rebel Refuge is a gamified monthly subscription app for sellers that's nine bucks a month that has daily activities for you to go out and do to create extrinsic outcomes for yourself while also intrinsically aligning through daily content that we pump you with um, in regards to motivation and regards to just the general truth of sales that I've been talking about this whole time that so many people run away from and stay mm-hmm. away from because they just want you to think, yeah, just keep dialing. You're going to do, you're going to do great things. Like now, like real recognize and realize that like, you're going to fail in those moments. Like you're, you're going to for years. And at the start of your sales career, you're going to fail a lot. And even if people are picking up the phone, you are setting meetings, you can screw it up somewhere else mm-hmm. inside of that process too. Like, 
and we're, we're not a bunch of Debbie Downers in the refuge, but we understand that, that reality. And so people that are in those moments and even sellers that are 10 years into their career that need the juice on a daily basis and need to come back to their foundations, their spirituality, their relationship building concepts, the things that they are driving forward toward to create for themselves in regards to success in regards to outcomes in regards to fulfillment, we have it there waiting for them. And the best part is, is that everything's gamified. So all the way down to the sales training, um, micro sales training that we've created in there, everything you do rewards you with points, mm-hmm. which rewards you with coins that can be exchanged at the, the rebel marketplace where you can buy things like the crumpled letter packets, uh, and interesting curriculum. And That's so we've cool. created this fun ecosystem for sellers to, to, to be able to reward themselves through currency, yeah. but also there's a leaderboard. So top 30 rebels yeah, get you know to break on the leaderboard right now and, and get bragging rights. And, and of course there's, little caveats built into that. There's some Easter eggs in there, you know, like I'm not going to say what's going to happen in a year from now for the top rebels, but you know, the people that are in that top 10, top 30, you know, they're going to be rewarded by us and in ways that'll be unique and fun and just suck them deeper into what it is that we're doing because we believe in them and we want them to lead their own rebellion inside of what we've created. So I hope that something like that changes the landscape of sales because it's it's much more tangible for people as opposed to like watching um, 80 hours of videos on some guru's website. It's right. actually doing things that you're told to do that intrinsically align with you as a human being that wants to create the better outcome that you've been desiring to do instead of sticking you through the same old generic crap that's been rehashed by every freaking sales trainer, except for a few over and over and over again that works at some points during your career, but never gets you to that level of success you desire. Yeah, that is a sick vision, by the way. Um, no one ever says, screw the six to 12 a month. I'm thinking decades, so kudos to you. And I've had one person come on talking about gamification. And honestly, it just seems like everyone is just missing this untapped opportunity because People actually, no one's consuming content these days. No, people are buying shit, but they're not actually using it. And the results with gamification is um, is pretty profound. And just just so I know, um, do you attract a lot more men into your world? We attract a, a heavy amount of 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 men, but there it's it's pretty diverse. It's okay. not just like white males um, that we found so far, and we we make it a point to get into. The minority communities as well so we stick our mm-hmm. necks out there and and tell people that we want to serve them in that capacity in those segments but we uh, we also have a whole movement of of ladies inside of the rebellion we yeah. call it the ladies the ladies of the rebellion and yeah. and we're trying to get more visibility for those women from a leadership standpoint and also you know the things that we're asking them to do are not you know it's a unisex platform on the refuge like yeah, yeah, yeah. From the content to the challenges like we're not we're not doing anything that that can't be done by the other sex or that would be you know morally incompetent or you know cause any kind of issues with what it is that they're trying to create instead it is basic psychology and human behavior brought to the sales forefront in a way that doesn't manipulate and has a lot of fun yeah well that's that's really awesome i'm glad to hear that the reason why i just brought it up was because you know, typically men respond better to it a challenge and i was wondering like how do we how do you include in gamification because some women might shy away from a competition i I don't want to sound too sexist or politically incorrect but um that's just the way i've seen it in as a as a thing so um is there a 
is there something you're planning and how to include everyone or to cater for both genders? Uh, I'm just curious in general. It's, it's not a trick question. It's a great question, bro. I would say two things. I would say one is, is that like we will attract the tribe of women that want to be competitors mm-hmm. and we're not going to create a bro culture around them. So they're going to be competing against people that practice empathy, that believe in outcomes, you know, good or bad, never indifferent that are going to always be pursuing those mutual grounds with people and not, you know, sitting around talking about drinking beer and looking at butts, you know? And like, I think that that's the biggest thing that we're overcoming inside of what it is that the sales culture just creates in people and what we try to do as much as we possibly can, whether that's outwardly in a moment with people Mm -hmm. or whether it's in the way that we just have designed our own teachings and the way that we carry ourselves as humans, especially as men inside the sales world. But at the same time, what we've created, the leaderboard side of it is fun, but really what it does is like you compete against yourself is what you really compete against. You Because the things that we ask you to do, even though, they will create extrinsic opportunity and outcome uh, value added outcome. It also causes you to say, "Mm, I don't know if I can do this. And that's a really good moment for people because it, it puts them in a position of discomfort. Yeah, that's right. Risk and which really leads to healthy and, and sustained outcomes. I think right now inside of the refuge, it's almost a split of 50% men and 50% women. Interesting. That is really interesting. And then it all comes back to, like you said, the foundation of your culture, like who you are. Cause, cause if you don't know Dale and you're listening to this now, um, he's really active on LinkedIn, posts a lot of content and that's how you're attracting. I imagine the majority of your traffic for sales rebellion, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. And uh, one last question to, uh, were you pulling something up there? I wasn't quite sure. I was, I was looking 50, at that stat that I just 50, told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I 50, think it's 50. about 60, 40 men right now. So okay. It's okay. No, yeah, I we see. just had a bunch of women sign up, which is why I thought about it because it's the scale is tipping right now. So I wonder what influences that if it's from some women inside of it being like, Hey, this dude's not a douchebag, or is it just people attracted to, um, we, we, we definitely believe that the people that are going to tell our tale better than anyone else will be the community. So we don't try to create content that convinces anybody. We just try to, we try to persuade. Yes, for sure. Because we believe in the, the art of persuasion, not the power of it or not the manipulation behind it, but the art of like the true form of what persuasion is, which is to be radically authentic all the time. And that that will slowly cause people to see the true you. But again, I digress there in that the identity of what the rebellion is, is carried on the backs of the people that we serve and support. And there are a lot of women inside of the rebellion. Mm, yeah. Oh, I love that foundation. It's a, uh, you're changing the game, man, for sure. Um, and to hit that goal that you've just mentioned, your 10 year goal, is, is there anything that you know that is cha- personally challenging or something you have to step up to that's, an identity level or maybe something else that you haven't quite reached might be stopping. No, I think that really like the, the, the truth is this, that we can try to design out our lives all we want, but unless we are tapped into the divinity that's been placed on our walk, we'll never really get the type of outcome that we desire. So like maybe in a couple of years, when I look and I see that I haven't gotten to where I wanted to get, mm-hmm. that it's actually a really good lesson for me to sit back and remember that it's not all about me. And that the That's more right. that I, I challenge myself in those moments and remember to, to not, not like make an excuse for my failure by any means, I'm totally okay with not being the best and not hitting the numbers 
and not, you know, achieving the things that I sought out to do. I'm totally okay with that because in those failures is where I learn the most. I get to regroup, I get to recalculate, and I get to refocus on the things that are most important. My son, the way that he's going to watch me growing up, the way he's going to see me treat my wife with honor and dignity and respect, with love unconditional, the way that he's going to see me interact with community members, people that are less privileged than me, more privileged than me, the way that I treat each of those groups. I think about those types of things. And I also want, you know, the same eyes, like my son's innocent eyes to be the same eyes that most people look at me with, even though there is you know, a difference in age and a lot of the people that are following me yeah. and, and, you know, coming alongside me, I feel that no matter what, we'll always be kids at heart. And so when P I hope that when people see my actions and see my attitude and see my outcomes, that first and foremost, they see my father and the legacy that he left for me. But then that secondarily, they see that, man, this guy's got something different and it's not really about him, which makes me think that maybe he's doing these things to help me believe better in myself. Yeah. Great. Well, I think that's an absolute awesome high note to leave it there, Dale. I, I love just stoic philosophy the whole way through. And um, I think people are going to definitely see that when they see your content and hopefully when they enter your world in sales rebellion and hopefully after listening to this too. So quick question, where is the best place people to find you online? And if they want to sign up for Sales Rebellion, how, how do they do that? Yeah, so the best place to find me on the interwebs is just Google my name. If you want to learn, you know, you can learn from other people like podcasts like this. I've been on hundreds of them at this point in the last year. Um, you know, and then interviews that I've done, panels I've sat on. There's lots of content out there. Daily content is linkedin.com backslash IN backslash copier warrior. If you want to come in and see my feed on a daily basis and get the juice. Uh, but salesrebellion.com, thesalesrebellion.com is the best place to go. Um, top right corner, you can join the refuge and become part of the community. Come join our free Slack channel by doing that as well too. Um, start the conversation, start you know moving your, your sales lifestyle into the direction of a rebel for a very low monthly cost and, and build a community around you. We, I think we're right at 900 people in our Slack group at this point. So, you know, come and be a part of that. Come and be a part of sellers that are changing the game, that are, that are leading with community over commission checks, people over products, experiences over performing pitches, and that really want fulfillment out of their sales life more than they want anything else. Yeah. And inside your community, is it not just for salespeople? Is it for business owners who maybe just sell themselves as well? Of course, we've got, we have HR professionals in there. We have marketers in there. We have entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. solopreneurs in there as well, yeah. too. Yeah. It's a great place just from a, a, a strategic standpoint of like creating narratives for yourself, learning how to disrupt the status quo for anybody to come and then apply it to what it is that they're doing. Awesome. Dale, thank you so much for coming on to Storytelling Secrets today. Hey, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode. If you did enjoy it, go leave a review on iTunes. And now they've made it so much easier if you listen on Spotify because you can leave a review on Spotify. Pretty cool, hey? But if you're a podcaster, I've got something cool to announce. You can now interview me for your podcast very, very easily. I've set up a, a new domain where you can simply go to the website, uh, book in a time, and I'd be more than happy to drop some value for your audience so uh some of the, some of the podcasts that i've been on that might interest you if this is up your alley so things like how to do a six-figure email launch or what comes after a facebook ad in the email sequences i've done over 1.3 million sales for my clients the last two years and I'm, I'm super pumped to share these nuggets with uh you and your audience so if you are interested in that that just sounded like gibberish if you're interested in that 
go head over to interviewjewels.com and you can find a time with me right there. All you got to do is just select a time on Calendly and uh, we'll have all the details there. But other than that, if you're interested, you got your own podcast, you want to get me on the show, go to interviewjewels.com. How it's spelled, interviewjewels.com and go book in time. I'll see you there.